Welcome to the All Hoops Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Inman. I'm joined by star producer and co-host, Chris Brito. Today, we're going to list our all-star reserves, plus we'll get to what we think the Knicks should do at the trade deadline, which is now just a week away. We also have a very special guest. Our good friend, Sebastian, is with us. Before we get to all that, Sebastian, Chris, how are you guys? Hey, guys. Happy to be here with Sebs and happy to be here with you, Stevie. You know, we came across a really devastating loss last night. We saw some history. We saw, you know, LeBron James uh, get one notch higher in the assist category. Um, but I, I really want to talk about the Knicks at large for us. Like, I think we've had a lot of close defeats. We At least we can say that we're always in there, you know, in the games. But I think the question of whether how this team could improve is 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 always on our minds. And one of the one of the possible things that we're, we're we're thinking about is a trade that could get us OG on Anobi. Uh, some rumors, some reports suggest it would take three first round picks. I personally don't mind. I'm of the belief that what are we going to do with all these first round picks to begin with? And I'm sort of of the belief that like might as well get a quality young player like OG to be on the roster who fits a need. Um, but I will let Sebs go after that one first what do you think should we go after og or not hey guys how are you um og uh i think he's a great glue guy uh i think we have a great glue guy on the team in quentin grimes who i have like high expectations for um i i, I believe i mean not to deviate but because i because I, I think very highly of grimes on the knicks um I am very intrigued of the pairing between him and OG, uh, especially of how like the the whole game plan can work with them. I mean, at, at the end of the day, like the Knicks are a left-handed, heavy, driving team with just two, three and D shooters. Um, so the more we could like space out the floor for those uh, stars that we have, the better. Um, you know, so as far as like what they can do to be better, uh, I've I've always wondered whether or not they should just go ahead and punt. Um, for well, I've always wondered whether they should like accumulate talent with uh with adding like cap money onto whatever the cap money is going to be for the summer. So then the next superstar might come out in 2024, 2025. And that's possibly when those first round picks could easily be uh, more like more useful um, in the whole ammo of picks that they have. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think it OG would be kind of like on the right direction, especially if it's not the, if it's not the, the premium picks that we, we think they uh, we think Toronto would be asking, and also on a personal note, I'm really starting to hate Toronto. So anything that we can do to like make their team worse, I'm totally game for. Yes, yeah, yeah. Seth, I agree with you there. I I think they should not go after OG Ananobi. I think there's a, a million reasons not to. For one, Toronto is just much smarter than the Knicks are. Like we can debate that all day, but like they would 
eat us up for lunch for a trade. You also remember that all these contenders need a guy like OG Ananobi, and there's very few sellers on the market. Toronto's really the only team willing to wave the white flag right now. And why are they trading OG Ananobi? They're trading him for two reasons. One, because he's about to go get a giant contract in a year and a half for like 40 plus million dollars a year. Two, he wants the ball more. He's tired of being the third guy behind, you know, Pascal Siakam, Scotty Barnes, and then sometimes Fred Van Vliet. That's not going to change with the Knicks. The team is run by Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle. So I just don't like the fit and the idea of Tom Thibodeau being the guy to like make these pieces work offensively. I just don't see that happening. And I would rather save those picks, as you said, Sebs, for the next guy to become available in 2024, 2025. There's going to be that guy. There always is every 18 months, whether that's maybe Jalen Brown, whether that's SGA, some other guy we're not thinking of. It happens all the time in the history of the NBA. Why would this be different? So I don't disagree with the idea of waiting for a guy or a piece like whom, whomever you just mentioned. But my point is you can still use OG potentially in those discussions as well. Like it's not like, okay, just so, just so you get OG, it means that you can't leverage that into something else necessarily my thing is that like i don't i don't want to be waiting on these first round picks and trust the next brass to make a decision on draft night where it it either is a shedding of a contract like we saw in the last year's draft only to say that we're oh we're collecting all these picks we're collecting all these picks for what it could be for the next guy but that next guy could never come and like i would i would almost rather build my team slowly and in, 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 in pieces. But that, that's what we're trying to tell you to do. Like we're trying to do it slowly. We're trying not to make that big move for sorry, a guy. Who's not sorry. I, I meant, move. I meant slowly. I didn't mean like at centipede, centipede pace that you guys are. are Place your speed. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I like Quentin Grimes. Quentin Grimes has been the glue. You bring in OG Ananobi, that's taking Grimes a spot if he's not in that trade out of here. And I don't, know, been, I don't know about that necessarily. I think that you you can always use a guy like OG Ananobi and a Grimes. I just don't think they have the enough basketballs to go around for all those guys. I think it's going to be tough to do that. And that's why I would rather go after more of a defensive guy who doesn't really need the ball as much like a guy like Sadiq Bey. He's, you know, kind of fall, not falling out of favor in Detroit, but he's not having a very good year shooting the ball. Remember, he we've seen what he can do. He's a great defensive player. He had that 50-point game last year. And similar to OG, he's probably on the block. The Knicks have reportedly talked to him about him because he's up for a contract soon, and they don't know what to do with him. Just like we don't know what to do with our guy, Obi Toppin. How about a swap of those two guys where Detroit can get him plenty of minutes it, you know, as, as the power forward, and the Knicks can have Sadiq Bey playing a pretty big role as a, a, a another wing on this team that they kind of need? You know what? I... So I know, which is funny, if you, I think if you asked me a year ago about OG, I would have probably told you, I don't, I want nothing to do with OG. I think he's the most overrated, one of the most overrated players in the NBA. But now, obviously, like I'm, I'm speaking very highly of him, but if I had the choice and I could give much less for Sadiq Bey, I would pick Sadiq Bey in a heartbeat. I think Sadiq Bey offers a lot of what we need, which is also scoring. And I think besides IQ in the second unit, like who else is going to score? At least with Sadiq Bey, you have someone who can actually contribute in that way. 
Sebs, what do you think? Yeah, what and, other and small also, moves could they make? Yeah, well, I mean, to to go back a little bit, um, Sadiq Bale, so he would be cheaper, but like he also brings that versatility and with the with the three and the four position that the Knicks really don't have. Um, I I I am more intrigued with Sadiq Bale on the team that I do that I am with OG, and you know. You can't ever have enough Villanova product, um, you know. And and then as far as like the picks are concerned, like I've always, I, I've always liked the approach of building uh, slower and through the draft. Um, and anyone who says that Nick fans aren't patient uh, enough to do so, um, you know, well, we can tell you otherwise. Um, as far as like other other moves are concerned i mean like for right now there isn't really much like the, the problem right now is there are so many teams in contention for for the playoffs and for the play-in that you know there's, there's many pundits out there um alluding to it being a very weak or very slow like trading season or trading deadline rather and um I would look. I, I said this last week to you guys, but I would look like a. I look for something like a, a like a rubber Covington, who's not, you know, who's who used to be uh, a, a trade deadline darling for like contending teams in the past, but you know, probably give him a good like 10, 15 minutes to be that swing man, or maybe even be like a spot center, like how he used to in on the Rockets, and and just have like that sort of kind of defensive uh, presence there. Maybe he's not the player that he used to be, but I mean that's kind of like something I'd look at. I'd also look at something in terms of like maybe take a look at someone like Miles Leonard, who's a free agent, like like a like a big man who who can who can shoot the ball. I mean like um, I like what we have in Hartenstein, but the Knicks are using him so awful. Like he's a, he's a hell of a talent, but they're not using him right. So I would prefer for him to go to, you know, a team like the Spurs that are all about like moving the ball and, and cutting into the basket. And, you know, that, that style of system, as opposed to like an ISO heavy offense, like the Knicks have. Um, but their, their two biggest needs right now um, is the, is specifically on the bench is a, is a swingman forward and a swingman guard someone that could play the two and three and someone that could play the three and four you know and and give you know people get hurt so like give you know that flexibility in order to to last that 82 season i'm not sure if covington really has left much left in the tank at this point you know he's been pretty much out of the clipper rotation for a while making 12 million this year 11 million next year i bet if you went up to them and said hey well can we have him? They would say sure. And so maybe yeah. get back Hartenstein, you know, get rid of his contract. As you said, the Knicks have not figured out how to use him. Maybe it's a Derek Rose swap, put him on a, you know, a contender who his contract is up a year before uh, uh before Covington. So there's a bunch of different moves they can make there, but it's gonna be a really interesting week. I know we're not expecting a ton of moves because as you said, there are too many teams that are kind of just stuck in the middle. They're not really sure if they're buyers or sellers but it should still be an interesting week it always is i want to talk one more before we move off the knicks i want to talk about rj barrett who's coming off a pretty bad game against the lakers 
He got benched for the fourth quarter and OT and then basically left before, you know, reporters could talk to him the other night. Is this a cause for concern? How are, what is our temperature? What is our feeling on RJ Barrett right now? Chris, I'll start with you. So my biggest concern with him is that he's just not playing good defense. I think more so than the offense. uh, Because obviously RJ can get to the basket, but I think he lets his his offensive woes impact his defensive woes and his effort. And I think that's probably the biggest problem with RJ. There were multiple times in last night's game uh, against the Lakers that I felt that RJ just didn't show... Um, he had a lot of lapses and I think it's part of a bigger trend with him where he's just not as engaged and not playing to to the point that we're kind of expecting him to be. I mean, with, you know, you know, Sebs made this point um, in our texts, um, you know, chat that IQ has taken a clear step ahead, but that's mostly because of his defense. Like you see it on his defense. He's just so his, his defensive awareness off the charts right now but with rj i don't get the same sense he i feel like he's making the same sort of like thing mistakes that he's making in years past and i think that's the most disappointing part i know the offense will come i think that always comes within the flow of the game um that being said though i don't think it's a bigger issue i think that i mean i think that is a trend that i'm seeing but i think the bigger issue i have is that tibbs continues to have this like blind faith in Julius Randle. And I think last night was a game that it could, I mean, it cost us, but I think if, you know, Randall is shoot, was shooting at one point, like three of 16 or four of 16 from the field. I forget what the final number was, but I think at that point you sort of like explore having another player, you know, be a contributor on offense too. I was so disappointed to see Randall being the last person to take the shot. I don't know what the play was there, but that was one that that's an aspect well, that it's frust- frustrating. Oh, go ahead, Sebs. That, well, I could I could tell you what the play was there. That like the, the 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 problem was Randall didn't go up for the for the for the layup or for the dunk, even though he had the space for it. Like I think he, I don't know what the heck he saw on that play, like. You know, it, it, it's hard to pass off a double, especially when the double's coming from someone like LeBron James or, or Anthony Davis. But, I mean, that's for that, that happens. That's basketball. It is what it is. Um, RJ Barrett, like, man, I've said this since last year. Uh, he's a player that I'm extremely frustrated with year by year that I see him. Like, I always have these high expectations for him coming through, you know, the, in the beginning of the season. And then, you know, he'll have you have the beginning where he'll do great and then he'll have a slump all the way up until March and then he has he goes on a tear the last month of the season and then we're all left to wonder in the summer you know what next year could probably be RJ's year you know and and that just seems to be a common uh, a theme every damn year with him on top of that like his defense like you alluded Chris do you, do you guys know his defense stats has been going down every year since his rookie year and to a point last year people would kind of people would kind of like point at well he was defending the best wing player from every team so that's why you know even though they're scoring 30 on him at least he's trying right fair but then you look at this year and now 
what the hell are we doing? Grimes, amazing defensive talent. But what are we doing having him defend Jason Tatum? No, at this point, RJ's defense is so bad that they have him covering the second or third best player on the on, on every team. Um, and then on the offensive side, it's just the same play nonstop. He gets about eight points to 10 points a game off a of pistol, which is the, the formation that they set up, which is two corners, one big man who sets the pick, and then the other one on the, on the elbow, the other fifth play on the elbow just for like a, like a kick-out pass if he's open for the three. And the only thing he has to read is to read the pick and roll whether he goes over and under, and then he's, he's, he's so consistent in a bad way where you'll always know he's going to drive left with like every time that they, they call that play. Um, sometimes he makes it because sometimes he's stronger than the player that they're discovering him fair or faster than the, the player that he's covering also fair, but he just doesn't have like a set of, of, of moves that, that can separate him from, from his like defensive player, like someone like Brunson, like who's my height and has a bag of tricks and is scoring against giants. Like, can you imagine RJ with, with that set of, you know, with with that, with those drip, that that dribble package and all that, like now we're talking about a a possible all-star player. He hasn't showed that in the four years that he's been a Nick. And now, you know, I'm always going to root for my guys and, and I'm, and I'm always going to hope that he shows that, you know, but as of right now, I I just don't see it at all. So can I just make a point to what you said that he says this, he does the same thing. I noticed that exact thing that you said during the Nets game where every time he would drive down, Claxton was right there. He knew exactly where to be. When, he, when they were playing the Nets on Saturday, Claxton was always at the right time at every time. he blocked, I feel like he blocked like three of RJ's shots that night, but you're completely spot on with the RJ offense criticism too. What do you think, Steve? Yeah, like his... Oh, go ahead. Like, so let me just make one more point with him. Like, he just, like, I don't know. Uh, he, he, he has this thing where, like, he, he wants to, you know, become the face of the franchise and... And, you know, be the guy, like the Nick fan who grew up a Nick fan and just, you know, bring bring the, the team back to back to status and be the guy. Right. But how can you how can you end up being the guy if you keep on being showed up by Julius Randle, who's a who's an all star or, you know, what I mean, like it's show me something like it's it's just sorry. It's just very frustrating. He's a very frustrating player to watch. How much is this on RJ and how much is this on the coaching staff? And when you think about it, especially defensively, defensive defense is effort. And for me, this Tom Thibodeau is known for his defense and this has not been a good defensive team in two years. You look at them right now, they're averaging 112 points per game allowed. That's eighth in the East. They're a middle of the pack offense. They're a middle of the pack defense. They, as you said, they run the same pistols. They run the same lines. How much is that on RJ as a 22-year-old to improve his game? And how much of it is on a, a coaching staff to get him to improve his game? I think um, I think oh, it's ahead. more yeah, no, I think it's more so um 
a little bit of both. Like the reason why they keep on running pistol is because he hasn't shown that he could he's able to run anything else. So it's the it's the coaching staff running the same place because RJ can't do and well, I guess a player in general. I don't want to just pick on RJ, but like a, like a, a player in general can't do anything else other than what he's good at, so to speak. And and this is why I think it's so important to bring in a player development coach in here, somebody who can really work with him and, and get him more comfortable in different spots and different you know avenues. Because one thing about Thibodeau, the good things, the bad things, he's consistent. He doesn't really change his game plan. We've blown a lot of leads because other coaches just adjusted and he doesn't adjust in game. And it's, it's hard for me to say, even if Barrett's a hard worker, it's hard for me to say, well, he's got to do this, this, and this when he doesn't really have the infrastructure around him to kind of give him those tools to do those things. And obviously there have been guys with great coaching, bad coaching, doesn't matter. They'll find a way to make it work, but those superstars and RJ is not that he's a step below that. He's averaging 20 a game. He's, Act, believe it or not, more efficient than he's ever been in his career at 43%. He's still 22. I give him credit. I believe he will turn into a good player. But obviously, I think the frustration is really less with him. And it's more with a coaching staff that is not adjusted to anything and a front office that, let's face it, they should have traded him with Grimes and these picks for Donovan Mitchell. And that's probably why we're frustrated right now. We had the ticket in front of us to go get that superstar player that we wanted RJ to become. And now we're kind of taking that frustration out on him. So here's my one question. Was that like the final offer or was that never an offer? Or was that a supposed offer that Utah would say yes to? From what I understand, it became, it was three first round picks. One of RJ and Grimes was the Knicks offer. And instead of Utah countering with, we want, both those guys, they basically just stopped answering the Knicks and took the Utah deal. So the thought, there are two thoughts. One is that Utah was never going to do with the deal with the Knicks. They thought the Knicks were tampering to get Mitchell out of there in the first place. And the other is if the Knicks offered that right away, they would have seen that as a much better deal than the deal they got and they would have taken it. We don't know. Okay. Maybe they believe Laurie Marketing was going to be a superstar, which I mean, all-star, which he's become, and they would have been very happy with the deal they took, but See, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot of speculation though. So I, it's all, so, it's all speculation. We don't know. Right. Right. The one thing but I'll we, say, we do know that RJ was going to be in that deal. For that's sure. what we do know. The one thing, the one thing I'll say with RJ to close this point before we get to the talk about the all-star stuff is that let's not forget that he's 22. And I think that like, obviously we can get lost in the fact that like, and I would, Hey, I was ripping him. Sebastian was ripping him. You rip everyone, Steve. Um, Not RJ. <laughs> um, he could still improve. Like, like I think you might be. I think you probably hit the nail on the head, Steve. It might be the infrastructure, because it's it's maybe not a coincidence that like Mitchell hasn't added anything offensively, and the guys who were already offensive great were great offensively before they got to the to to the to the Knicks. And it's also not a coincidence that most of our offense comes off ISOs. Yeah. Like, Which like to me, it's just like, like to me, no, but like in reality, it's just, it means it's just, there's no system. That's the system. Pass it to Julius Randall and, 
and uh, Brunson, and let's let's hope I mean, for the best. We've had four it years. It works though. To be fair, we've had four years of Mitchell Robinson tape in the summer of him hitting ten threes in a row, him hitting jump shots, all these different things. Does to that be mean fair, I, I don't want. I don't. Shooter? I don't want. To be fair, I don't want Mitchell doing anything different than what he's doing. The point of what I'm saying is, yeah, 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 I know. you've never seen him even attempt something like that in the game, and I don't think that's his choice. Just like I don't think. RJ kind of doing the same thing. It's a hundred percent his decision. So that is what it is. We're we're obviously all rooting for RJ and Thibodeau and all these guys to kind of get it together and and win some games here. Uh, last thing before we move off the Knicks, does anybody have anything to say about this James Dolan fiasco that's going on? The facial recognition. Just keep in mind, we do still want to go to Nick games. <laughs> my whole thing is that it just. Uh, I'm okay. My my whole thing is that it comes across as very petty. Like, even if Dolan is right, even if even if in that world that he's right, like it just to me, it's just it's not a good look for someone who's who's you know main a, a huge source of income comes from the public will, and I think that it it's always in your best interest to never in, antagonize your fan base, and I think you do that by setting up facial cameras at your at your you know at your at the at your arena so i think that's really it like from from a fan perspective it just it just seems like very childish that's really all i have seb what do you think um i yeah i mean i agree with chris i think it, it comes off as as very petty as very childish. like i i saw the interview that he did on uh whatever morning show that was on and he said Fox something. Five. He said something about uh, Fox Five, and then he said he said something about well, if you you would want to know or you would want to see the faces of the people that walk into your house, right? And if they say something bad to you, and then I I, I took that as like uh, I don't know, like like I, he he still he will never get it. Like he'll never understand why we hate him and and why we want him to sell the team and why we want nothing to do with him and our favorite basketball team and you know i've a, a long time ago i've already given up on having that like even make me feel something um so that's pretty much it like i it just comes off as petty and i really don't care at this point anymore I mean, one thing I'll give him not credit for, but he's right about is Uh-oh. no matter what he says, no matter what he does, Nick fans are the greatest fans in the world. And they're going to keep going to all these games. They're going to keep selling out these games. He can keep this facial recognition. He can throw people out. He can stop selling beer. He can, you know, get your beloved Nick's like Oakley and throw them out of the garden too. And you know what? They're still going to go to the games. And until and that changes... He's he's gonna keep doing what he's doing. He, there's, until you start affecting his bottom line, we don't matter to him. And it we can call him every name in the book, and he can seem as you know petty as as can be. At the end of the day, he's not really gonna do anything differently unless you affect his bottom line. And so now, the, Knicks, the Knicks are a cash cow, as you said, and like you're so you're so so right Steve like I was trying to explain the situation that was happening to someone and it just really comes down to like 
if if the fans stop showing up, that is the only way you get into to which to won't happen. Have any self reflection? Yes, you're right. Which won't happen. All right, let's get something more positive. Let's talk about the NBA All Star Game. We have the starters already. Let's get to our reserve selections before they're announced on Thursday night. I'm starting. I'm going to start with the East. I got Joel Embiid, Jalen Brown, Tyrese Halliburton, our guy Jalen Brunson, Bam Adebayo, Demar Derozan and Pascal Siakam. And then obviously if a guy like Halliburton or a Kevin Durant stay injured, my replacement would be James Harden. Uh, quick shout out to Sebastian for telling me the rules. Make sure I got this correctly, where it's, uh, you know, the, you have to have a certain amount of front court guys and back court guys, and then the last two spots or whatever you want. And then for the West, or, you know what? Let's just do the East first and then we'll do West. So that's my East. Do you guys have any uh, critiques, anything else you need different? I think I'd take out Bam, and I'd probably take out Siakam. I'd probably put Kyrie and Randall instead to your list. Kyrie's a starter. Oh, he is a starter. My bad. Yeah. So then I'd probably put back Bam in there, and I'd probably put Randall. I just think Randall's stats like justify him being there, even if the Knicks themselves don't deserve to have two All Star start uh, players. Sebs. Yeah, I don't. I don't really understand the DeRozan pick. Um, having a great year but it, yeah but horrible also i think i also think the east is so stacked that you could make an argument for a lot more player a lot other players that are having probably equal if not better years i don't know like that anything chicago right now just seems a little weird to put similar to like i don't have any atlanta hawks on my team right now and and i think they're what like 10th or 9th in the in the east right now they're, they're eight just, with one less loss, with one more loss in the Knicks. They're half a game. Yeah, that's exactly it. Like, and then, but the problem is, like, we're not talking about someone like Murray or or Young, who are all star players in other years. But that's not a conversation that we're having because it's just such it's such a competitive year right now that it it just doesn't doesn't feel right to put them there this year, but. I mean, on the East, I have as locks. Um, I have Halliburton. I have uh, Jalen Brown. I have Embiid. I have, have um, Randall. Uh, I have Bam. Uh, and I think I think the Heat and the Knicks are are victims of again a competitive East because. They both have two players on their teams that should deserve to go to the to the All Star game, but unfortunately, only one can make it due to like the rules. But I have Bam, um, which means I have one more player left. Yes, I think. Yeah, you have one more player left. Yeah, and I mean, I would probably put Harden. Yeah, yeah, I'd probably put Harden just because like um, he's having an incredible year, and also. I just think he's like this year kind of proves uh, that no matter what system you put him on, no matter what kind of players he plays with, uh, that man will always just make magic with that ball. Um, so I, you know, I like to, I like to reward I, I just, the, you know, this the Philly on there. But you know, like I said, uh, someone like Butler and someone like, uh, especially my guy Brunson. Uh, who rightly deserves to be in the all-star game because of how competitive the East is. Uh, I have them as kind of like the, the um, odd man's out. 
I don't get how we can say put two Knicks on, but a bowl can't be on because of wins and losses. The Bulls, they have two less, you know, they have two more losses than the Knicks. Like we're talking well, about but like you can't, but, you can't just, but you can't justify Levine in there. He's been out for a lot of I games. I said DeRozan. And he said okay. no DeRozan. DeRozan's have you seen DeRozan's numbers? He's having the same year as last year. 26 points, five rebounds, five assists, 51% shooting from Oh, the I definitely think DeRozan should be there. Yeah. I mean, he's having an MVP caliber. I thought you were, thought you know, you were saying having two bulls in there. No, no, no. Levine, Levine hasn't played enough. And That's I, what I'm saying. I'm, That's what I was like, I'm not a Levine guy. Uh, so, no, I did not put Levine there. And real quick, obviously, we both we, – we, we all expect at least one Nick to get on there. Who would you guess is more likely to be on that roster, Brunson or Randall? I just think Brunson has a very positive campaign behind him, like public campaign. Like if you notice all the TNT guys, like the last few national games, the way they speak about Brunson, like it's very high. And then this, with the exception being the Celtics game where Brun- like Randall went off, I just think that these national games really guides the conversation into um, who they pick. And so that's, I think it's going to be Brunson. Like it's not a bad choice either. Like, I mean, you could argue either one though. Randall has been like very consistent. He's played every game. Like, I also can see both these guys getting on as injury replacements. You know, who knows if Halliburton is going to be back in the next two weeks, that Pacer team, Yes, it's great for the fans to have this really good player playing, but it's not really good for their lottery odds. And the same thing with Kevin Durant, where the Nets are kind of steadying the ship. They're kind of going 500. They don't really need Kevin Durant to come back before he's 100% healthy. So I think those two guys could be, you know, replaced by, you know, a Harden or a a Julius Randle or or whoever it is. All right, let's get to our Western Conference reserves. I'll start with Sabonis, Fox. Well, wait. Go ahead. Wait, uh, Chris, did you mention your Eastern? I did. I had, I basically had the same as Steve with the exception of Randall. uh, Siakam, I put Randall in there. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I I thought I missed that. My bad. All right. So we talked about like it's hard to put two guys from the same team on our East teams. I'm not doing that with the West. I'm starting with Sabonis and Fox. The Kings are back, people. They are back. They're making the playoffs. It's an amazing story. It's pretty cool to see. John Morant, Damian Lillard, SGA, Lori Marketing, and Aaron Gordon. And if anybody gets hurt, Anthony Edwards would be my replacement. Uh, Sebs, let's start with you there. Where where, uh, where are you going with your West? Well, as a lock, I definitely have Shy, Shay, She, whatever he wants to put his name in for SGA. Definitely Dane Dollar. Um, and then, I mean, yeah, the Kings, what, what else can we say about them other than they, light that they're beam. really blowing expectations. It's like that beam, baby. Uh, the bonus for sure. Uh, marketing who is, I mean, he's like the surprise of, of I mean, he was, he was always, he's always been a talented player. Um, and yeah, so he's rightly deserved to go there. Um, who else? Who else? I'm not missing someone important. I just don't know who it is. Um, yeah, I mean, for now, I think the locks for me would be SGA Sabonis, and uh, and it's it's very interesting that you mentioned uh, Anthony Edwards. I mean, I, I understand the the 
the season that he's having, but does the record, the team record, reflect that as well? Yeah, I, I mean, they, yeah. they're a game over. They're 27 and 26. It's like they're literally half a game different from the Knicks. Oh. I, I view it like with okay. wins and losses, unless you're just a completely rat team that's like 12 and 38, unless you're the Rockets or the Pistons right now, you deserve to have a chance in an all-star. So like if you're a 500 team, you're a little bit over, a little bit under, to me, you deserve it. Especially when these rosters are announced 10 days, two weeks before the all-star game. What if they go on a run? Then what if they win five in a row? And all of a sudden they're the third three seed. And we're talking about them as a, a team we didn't consider for an all-star. Like things can change pretty quick, especially this year with the jumbled up standing. So as long as you're not just like a completely empty stats guy on Orlando or or Detroit, I got to consider you. That's fair. I mean, that, and that's also the reason why, I mean, the, the reason why I brought up the, the wins and records thing, because I also have uh, Aaron Gordon making the, the all-star team, just because like, you know, I always remember yeah. back when the Atlanta Hawks had like four starters yeah. or sorry, not starters, like four players off of their team uh, become, you know, go to the all-star game because they had the best record in the old NBA. Um, like the, t- so the Timberwolves have a better record than the Blazers. Also the year. And we all are putting Damian Lillard on our teams. So it's, you know, yeah. it, it's a fine line. There. Yeah, it, I know. It, which it's, 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 a, yeah, you're right. But also, it's, it's also an argument that people have with Curry. I mean, like, I know this is kind of like going off topic a little bit, but. You know, Curry, to me, he didn't – I don't think – he deserved to be an all-star, but I think he yeah, should have been started. a starter. I agree you know, with that. So, so, so people like – so people like, you know, Dame, Damian Lillard, who is probably going to go in history as the best point guard in Trailblazers history, maybe even like top 10 point guard in the NBA when it's all said and done. Um, you know, it's his – um, what do you call it? It's his is his history in the NBA that like allows him to like make him an automatic, regardless of record. You know, so that's that's essentially why I put him there. And also, he's having a, an awesome season, like he always does. Uh, but yeah, no, my last one would be Aaron Gordon, just because like I I like the idea of rewarding a player who's who's playing who's having a heck of a year and also contributing in the win-loss record. Yeah, so that's that's where I'm at. All right, Chris, let's hear your Western Conference reserves. I mean, to be frank with you, like the West is a little more tough because I don't think the numbers are sort of there for a lot of the guys that you'd normally expect. Um, I like a lot of the guys you, that you guys both mentioned, which already are what? Sabonis, Fox, Morant, Lillard, SGA, Markinen. Um, I kind of... I. I'm of the belief that Booker should have been should be a guy. I know he missed a lot of January. I I should know because I had him in fantasy <laughs> basketball, and as you know too, Steve. Um, I would either I I I'm not completely sold on Aaron Gordon. He's obviously a good player to be there if those other guys can't make it. Um, I feel like. Paul George has also put good enough stats for that number two. He's, you know, averaging 20 points per game. Um, he's He's been healthy for the majority of the games this season. 
he's he's made he he's what we always wanted out of Kawhi, except he actually shows up for games. Um, I think those are like those are my main thoughts and like who the West should should make all stars. Before we move to final thoughts, how do you guys feel about guys who miss a lot of time? Like, is this a, a game where Devin Booker's a superstar? We want a superstar in this game, or is it hey? He's only played in half his team's games. He's only played in 29 games of their 54. So that's like, what, 55% of their games? Is there a, a number where you say that's just not enough games to earn an all-star bid? I think you need to play at least like four-fifths of, of the games in the first half of the season. That's not Booker then. I know. But unfortunately, there's no like there's like no cutoff number. I mean, know? for example... Ed, Anthony Edwards has played 25 more games this year than Booker. Wow. I know, but like, I feel like, but I also like Booker when he was playing, the Suns were, were, were playing much better. And like, I feel like that, that gets discounted. Anthony Edwards has played all the games and look where Minnie is. So. Yeah. No, well said. All right. Yeah, guys. I mean, I, I, oh, I mean, well, I mean, to touch on like load management and all that stuff, like, I think the, the, um, these teams have the best science and doctors in the world, and the and then they get into uh, health programs that try that puts them in peak condition condition and and all that. Um, I, the simplest answer to me would be to make to keep it eighty two seasons and also to extend the season by a month. That way, there you can spread out all the games, and you can still give the players enough time to heal up for in between games. Like I don't know why we aren't talking about that, but all right. I mean, by we, I mean like, you know, this kind of like the people in charge. Uh, but I mean, that's I've always figured that would have been it. There's just too much money on the line for them to cut down the games, and it sucks for the fans. But at the same time, if they cut this thing down to 72 games, like yeah. they probably should then the players are probably going to play only 62 games. They're going to take another 10 games off. So there's really no, no I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying doing 82, but instead of ending the season in, in April, extending it to May and have the finals in July, like, like just extending like the season by one month can just spread out so many more dates. I just money don't see them playing more games with that. Like LeBron's not going to go back to playing 80 games. It's just not going to happen. And it sucks, but it is what it is. And I think what they need to do is for these top guys, they need to incentivize with all NBA, you know, rookie of the year, MVP. You have to play in 80% of your team's games, as Chris said. Like that should be the law. And so if if that's the that's the rule, there's, there's money and there's financial and awards on the line where, hey, maybe I will play in this back-to-back. My I feel good. And instead of now where it's like, oh, it's stupid to play in a back-to-back. So I, I think incentivizing the players, it's a player's league. I think that's yeah, probably I think, the best way to do it. I think you start there. No back-to-back games. I think once you get rid of that, that eliminates some of the traveling concerns and some of the other concerns that players have when it comes to that sort of thing. I think obviously reducing the schedule is smart, but as you said, who knows if like – like, are the players going to willingly take a pay cut? No, they're not. So Absolutely that's, not. it's not going to happen. Anyway, go ahead, Steve. 
All right, guys, let's get to our final thoughts right after this. All right, boys, final thoughts here on the All Hoops podcast. We've been debating in our group chat about this Empire State Building fiasco as New Yorkers to see this Philly green and then for them to praise the Philly green for them winning after beating the our New York Giants last week was just horrendous. It was terrible. It was disgusting. And so I, I thought, why? Why did this happen? How could this happen? And basically, the Empire State Building used to be very, very picky about who they would partner with and who they would talk to in terms of lighting up the building. And a few years ago, they realized, oh, wait, we can make a ton of money by partnering with everyone. And so the NFL now lights up based on who goes to the Super Bowl, who wins the Super Bowl every year, no matter what. Now, with the Eagles, did they need to publicize this? I don't think they did. And if they did, could they have explained it? I think they could have. And it probably would have saved a lot of grief there and a lot of New Yorkers thinking, was this hacked? Is this real? These kind of things. But curious what you guys think. So first of all, I found it interesting that you you, you said you you said New Yorkers as in like everyone in this chat. But I think one of us lives doesn't live in New York anymore. I'm not gonna say Fort Lauderdale now and I'm loving every minute of it. I'm not gonna say who it is. (laughs) Um, but anyway, back to your point, Steve, I think it was really frustrating, but obviously with the explanation, it's a lot different. I thought it was all fun. I prefer greed for this than stupidity. So, yeah, fair enough. Go ahead. What were you going to say, Sebs? Hey, Chris, also give, uh, give, cut some, uh, cut some slack to uh, Stevie because, uh, if I remember correctly, someone did move to New Jersey, is that right? In this group, in this group chat right now. So yeah, <laughs> let's think about that too. Um, I have nothing to say about the damn dirty birds from Pennsylvania. I um it, it was it was disturbing. It I didn't think it was real. And then once I saw that it was, I immediately like the inner New Yorker in me just kind of like just cringed because I couldn't believe that that happened. Um, it's such a symbol, uh, the Empire State Building, and it's so synonymous to New York that to just see it be celebrated by just, uh, it, 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 I can't even, I can't even. Yeah, it was, it was terrible. And there were so many ways they could have done that in a more playful way, like we have to post this, we're required. Like There was so many ways they could have done it in a better way there. So it's unfortunate, go Chiefs. And uh, our last thing here, LeBron James with, you know, 89 points away from passing Kareem for the all-time scoring list. I don't think this is a record that'll ever be broken ever again because of the way load management is, because I think he's going to play at least another two years and get up to what, around 42,000 points. And I'm going to go try to see if I can catch this game next week. I'm going to the game Tuesday against the Oklahoma City Thunder. So as long as he averages 30 a game like he has been, he's going to hit it then. And so very excited for that. Hopefully we can do a show from L.A. next week when we talk about LeBron being the all-time scoring leader. We can talk about big trades that the Knicks did or didn't make. So Um, I just wanted to make a quick point. I was talking with a colleague of mine earlier today, and I think – there is a high possibility possibility of that record being broken. I think, you know why? Because a lot of players today are shooting so many threes. You would just need to take 
like whatever the next phenom is within the next 20 or so years, whoever shoots a lots of threes, that is the best chance uh, for that person to like pass LeBron. But even a guy who averaged like 30 a game for a decade is still going to be way short because of load management, because these guys are all playing 65 games a year. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It should be a shooter. A shooter won't have the same like sort of, um, let's just say like load management sort of like like think about when the last time a, a, a someone with who's a, like a, a shooter like clay or someone who like depends on shots for 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 his buckets like really takes a lot of time off for load management the only people that come to mind but curry like, takes takes off all the time they all do it's just the way the nba is now and that might well, change well to they be fair curry to... had a lot of knee troubles early in his career so Ankle. like catching up ankles yes ankle troubles that's the only right. that's the only path i see to break this record and i'm so happy that no, i think i think the the only the only the only other thing that we're forgetting to mention is it won't be broken unless we allow or the nba allows high school players going straight into the league yes. like LeBron did. Like that is, the, that is the first key onto possibly seeing another player break now LeBron's record with the scoring. Very well said there. Uh, that's going to do it for our show. Sebs, thanks so much for joining us here on the All Hoops podcast. Uh, yeah, you know, I like arguing with you guys on the chat, so why not do it on video? Yeah, yeah no, it was good stuff. And those CBA talks with the high school players, it's going to be super, super interesting to see how that plays out whenever that is. And that's going to do it for us here on the All Hoops podcast. As we said, next week we'll be talking about what happened at the trade deadline, the LeBron scoring chase. And Chris, is there anything else you have before we wrap up the show? Nothing. Thank you to Sebastian for joining us on the show. And thank you, Stevie, for showing up today also. Bye, everyone. <laughs>